0: Hi, my name is Michael Sano. I'm Jewish and I love Israel. So if you love Israel, if you love being Jewish, or if you have an unwavering connection to the land of Israel, then you're in the right place. Welcome to the 12 Cities in Israel podcast. Shalom, shalom, shalom. Hey, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? My name is Michael Sano. And welcome, welcome, welcome to the 12 Cities in Israel podcast, the only positive podcast about the people, the food, the culture, and the history of the state of Israel. Hey, listen, if this is your first time watching, don't forget to hit the like button and the subscribe button and the notification bell so you get informed every time a brand new episode comes out. And if you'd like to take us with you, you can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, google podcasts stitcher TuneIn, in and on spotify um also i want to tell you that um this episode is brought to you by the 12 cities in israel modern hebrew flashcards they are the best way to learn hebrew or to brush up on that hebrew that you kind of let slide so um they're available on amazon for kindle if you have a uh, Kindle Unlimited, it's free, and I'll go more into it at the end of the episode. All right, hey, welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Um, this is part two of the Twelve Cities in Israel series, where we talk about um, the twelve cities that make up the twelve cities of Israel, and uh, in our in our, <laughs> in, a, in, a, in a in our last episode we. I told you about the history of a lot and now we're going to talk about the modern city of a lot, a fun, amazing, great place. Um, it is the premier resort town resort city in, uh, in Israel. It is, it's absolutely fabulous. Now I of course cover all of the history of, Uh, prior to the state of Israel in the history and everything from 1948 forward I cover in part two so let's get into it before we do though um if you're watching and you have been watching you'll notice a little bit of a change on the set um the studio has more lighting uh we've got some ambiance lighting behind what that's nice look at this um but yeah so If I look a little deer in headlights-ish, it's because I'm a little overwhelmed. I have behind the camera, I can't show you, but behind the camera, I have this huge monitor, 32-inch monitor up on the wall, so I can make sure I'm in focus, and it really it's a little overwhelming. <laughs> it's a little overwhelming. All right. First, I'm going to have a sip of coffee. Peter Madera, this is for you, but also J hats. It's for you as well. Listen, I have to tell you a, a, another thing before I get into this. Let me sip the coffee first. Hold on. Mm. All right. What I have to tell you is if you send me a message over, sorry, my ear itched. I had to get my ear goggles adjusted. Um, if you send me a message over the weekend and it's Shabbat, I, I'm i not going to be able to respond to it until I uh, until Shabbat's over. So I have a couple, I think I have a, a, a message from J-Hats, which I'm going to get back to you, don't worry, and a couple of other people who are really great, um, and I usually respond to them when I edit uh, the night, before it goes, or the, the day before the evening it goes out, which is on Sunday. So, um, all right, let's get into Elat. All right, um, so Elat is a busy port and popular tourist destination, as well as the southernmost city in Israel. It has a population of 52,299, and is located at the northern tip of the Red Sea on the Gulf of Elat. Um, Elat is part of the Southern Negev Desert, uh, at its Southern end and is in the Arava, the geographical area. And this is, this is really important. Um, this area is South of the Dead Sea Basin. Um, and it's a big geographical, um, area where mitzbar is and all this, all these beautiful, beautiful geographical geological formations, and um, I'm gonna talk about some of it when I tell you about the things to see in Elat. Um, Now, Elat uh, is adjacent to the Egyptian village of Taba to its south, and uh, the Jordanian port city of Aqaba to the east, and within sight of, let me say this right, Hakal, Saudi Arabia, across the Gulf towards the southeast. And a lot has an arid desert climate. It is hot there. Um, it's, I think it's one of the, it's the hottest city in, uh, in Israel, um, with low humidity and its temperatures exceed 104 degrees Fahrenheit. That's 40 degrees Celsius. That is boiling in the summer and 70 degrees Fahrenheit in winter. So they have mild winters um, by our standards. In the US, um, while water temperatures range between 68 and 79 degrees, which is 20 uh, to 26 degrees Celsius year round. So you could swim year round. Um, also a lot averages 360 sunny days a year so there's no sad going on there they have no seasonal affect disorder i'm sure they have some but nothing like what you have in the northeast of the u.s and in northern europe um so that is the modern city uh, to let you know what a lot is now um in a snippet now we're going to tell you how it got to be a city which is one of my favorite stories um, so on May 15, 1948, at the end of the British Palestine Mandate, uh, nothing stood in modern Elat but an abandoned frontier outpost called Um Rash Rash. And in early 1949, the Israeli army advanced over 150 miles, 240 kilometers, from rear bases located at Beersheba, what? Across the Negev. They traveled, um, which at that time had no road leading south. So they were just compass, that direction, smells like water. Um, And they reached Israel's Red Sea coast at the site of Elat on March 10th, 1949. Um, And this was the last operation of Israel's War of Independence. And this is the part that I love. Are you ready? At approximately 3 30 PM on March 10th, 1949, Avraham Adan. They knew that who the guy was. That's so cool. Um, the company commander of the 7th Battalion of the Negev Brigade raised a makeshift Israeli flag at the abandoned police headquarters in what would become the future city of Alat. So this makeshift and I don't I actually don't know if I put it in the uh yeah, I didn't. It was out of a bed sheet, a white bed sheet and blue ink. How cool is that? We need a flag. Let's do it. That's like halutim to the nth degree. That is such pioneering. That is so awesome. Um, this act ended both Operation Uvda in the South and the war that followed Israel's independence, um, which had begun in May of 1948. Now the nineteen forty-seven UN partition plan had originally granted the new state of Israel the Red Sea port. Um, but the Jordanian Legion raced and quickly took control of Um Rash Rash, um as it was known in Arabic. Now this we I told you if you listen to the Bershev episode, they took positions, um Egyptian forces took positions there. Um Egyptian forces took positions in Ashkelon. So this was not uncommon. And this was why there was a lot of fighting. So it's just, it's it's crazy that um, they went and they did all this. And they did it. It was a race between these two brigades to get down there. Um, now, on the last day of the war's final operation... After five consecutive days of Israeli victories in the south, Israeli reconnaissance had showed that the Jordanians had already abandoned the site. The only battle to take place that day was between the Negev and Golani brigades um, to see which of the two would be the first to reach the city. So during Operation Ufta, upon realizing they had no flag, Negev uh, soldiers took a white sheet, drew two ink stripes on it, and sewed on a Star of David that was torn off of a first aid kit. How cool is that? That is so dope. Sorry, dating myself. Um, The flag only flew for two hours when the Golani Brigade finally arrived and raised an official flag, but the ink-drawn flag will forever be remembered in history as part of Israel's rebirth. That is so cool. Um, today, a monument stands at the old Jordanian police headquarters across from the city's Mal Hayyam to commemorate this seminal event. It was pretty cool. I love telling that story. I, I I think that is the neatest story. It is just such, oh, crap, I thought you had the flag. No, you had the flag. Wait a minute. Make a flag. So pretty awesome. I'm going to have a sip of coffee. Hold on one sec. Mm-mm-mm all right, so there you have it. Now we have Umrash Rash becomes Elat. So Elat again is reborn because if you listened in the history, I told you Elat was where um Akaba in Jordan was. So now Elat has moved to the West, where um, where the police station Umrash Rash was. So over the following years, a lot saw new growth and in 1949, a lot airport was built and individual ships began arriving in the 1950s. But as there was no dedicated port facility, um, they unloaded their goods offshore and in the early 1950s, a lot was a small and remote town populated largely by port workers, soldiers, and former prisoners. Uh, but the town's development accelerated quickly in 1955 when it had a population of approximately 500. It's hard to think of 500 people being like a population boom, but you know when you're struggling to populate this this country and rebuild the Jewish the Jewish nation, it's it's just it's 500 is. Whew. We got 500. That's awesome. Also, in light of the Holocaust and all the losses that we suffered in the show, I mean, it's like 500 is a godsend. So that year, the Timna Copper Mine near the Timna Valley and the port of Elat were opened and a concerted effort by the Israeli government to populate Elat began starting all oh, of this with jewish immigrant families from morocco being settled to the area Morokai, what's up Oh yes so all the way bro that's how i feel that's how i feel um can you tell how i feel so um <laughs> After the 1948 Arab-Israeli war, Arab countries maintained a general state of hostility with regard to Israel and blocked all land routes within their control, thus making Israel's access to and trade with the rest of the world only available by air and sea. So that makes a lot incredibly important. In addition to this, Egypt also denied passage through the Suez Canal, to Israeli registered ships or to any ship carrying cargo to or from Israeli ports. That's kind of lame, but whatever. This then made a lot in its seaport crucial to Israel's ability to import oil. So you want to cut it off? That's fine. We'll still get it. And they established um, a pipeline too. Um, Without access to a port on the Red Sea, Israel would have been unable to develop it's diplomatic, cultural, and trade ties beyond the Mediterranean basin because we have that beautiful shore and Europe. This wasn't always made possible by their neighbors, though, because in 1956 and again in 1967, Egypt's closure of the Straits of Tehran to Israeli shipping effectively blocked the port of a lot. So way to go, mm-hmm. Nasser, who was a jerk, but whatever. Um, again, I keep saying whatever, cause I don't want to get real upset about it. And that's not the purpose of this. The purpose of this is to tell you about the cities and to tell you, you know, some cool information, um, not to get you heated about something, Abde- what is it? Abdel Gamal Nasser did. Okay. So. The blockade that occurred in 1956 led to Israel's participation with Britain and France, and we got in trouble for this, in their war against Egypt that sparked the Suez Crisis, and the blockade that took place in 1967 occurred at a time when 90% of Israeli oil that came to the country passed through the Straits of Tehran. So this was a big deal. They, They were cutting off Israel's lifeblood and... You get pushed into a corner, you got to fight back. Um, This constant fear of the straits closure was cited by Israel as an additional cause that eventually led to the outbreak of the Six Day War. So that gives you some idea of how important the port city of Allah was to the energy needs of the Israeli people, even going all the way back to the 50s and the 60s. Despite all of this, a lot began to develop rapidly after the 1956 Suez crisis as the city's tourism industry flourished, and it's out of control. It's amazing. Um, The town's population grew to 5,300 in 1961, and in 1968, the Yosef Tal Medical Center, and I'm going to tell you just a little bit about that, and the Alat Ashkelon Pipeline were both completed and that's the pipeline i was telling you about so oil can come in from the red sea to a lot go across the pipeline to ashkelon and you can effectively cut out the suez canal and that's pretty awesome that's us israel no problem happy to help Uh, (laughs) um this same year 1968 The population increased even further, reaching thirteen thousand one hundred in nineteen seventy-two. Oh no, in nineteen seventy-two, and that it was thirteen thousand one hundred. And in eighteen, and it grew to eighteen thousand nine hundred in nineteen eighty-three. Numbers, numbers, numbers. So a lot was booming. The industry, the tourism industry, was booming. Energy jobs were bringing. Uh, res new residents to a lot there was a lot of stuff going on in a lot an airport all of that now following peace treaties signed with Egypt in 1979 and Jordan in 1994 a lot's borders between these two neighbors were finally opened so that's cool so peace treaties everyone gets starts getting along come visit um, I know that there are people who travel, What do they do? You drive down to a lot, and then you drive over. They'll visit Petra, and they'll use that Jordanian border crossing. Um, I also know people who have gone into the Sinai um, from the border crossing down by a lot. Now, one of the things about a lot, since it does border these two countries, and since you do have some disparate elements within these two countries, not all of them, but some of them, who wish to harm Israel, is uh Elat has its very own unique defense mechanism and I'm gonna tell you about it. I this isn't something I'd normally put in, but it's so cool and with my military background, it it's just like it it's cool to me. It makes me giggle. Whatever. Um now there is a thing called Lotar Elat. And ELAT is specifically defended by its own special forces unit called LOTAR ELAT. And it is a reservist special forces unit of the IDF trained in counterterrorism and hostage rescue. Wow. It has taken part in many counterterrorist missions in the ELAT area and the region since its formation in 1974. The LOTAR unit is composed solely of reservists. Citizens who must be a lot residents between the ages of 20 and 60. Whoa! So they use everyone um, who are on call in case of a terrorist attack on the city is one of only three units in the IDF authorized to free hostages on its own command. Wow! That's just so sorry. It's badass. It's pretty cool. If you're from a lot. And, uh, you know, you could be one of, you could go to a lot and talk to a guy and be like, oh, that guy, who is that guy? And then find out later, well, you wouldn't find out, but he's in Lothar lot in this counter-terrorist unit. That's just cool. I don't know. It's kind of cool. Anyways, moving on. Um, Also in Elat is, I told you about the Yosef Tal uh, Medical Center, and it was established in 1968 in Israel's... Uh, And it is Israel's southernmost hospital and the only hospital covering the southern Negev. And it has 65 beds and the hospital is Israel's smallest. Um, Special services are geared to the Red Sea region. Uh, Some of the special services are a hyperbaric chamber to treat victims of diving accidents. And we'll go into diving in a little while. And kidney dialysis facilities open to vacationing tourists. How cool is that? So we found out in the Herzliya episode about the Herzliya Medical Center and medical tourism. But think about it. You've got this big tourist resort um, in a lot. Have people come and have you know tourist uh, medical tourism in a place for tourists, so that's pretty it's pretty brilliant. Hold on, I'm gonna have one more sip of coffee and then we're gonna go into the attractions at a, in a lot, and you're gonna be just salivating with wanting to have fun. So hold on, just one sec. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah, I mean, all the stuff you can do in a lot. This is like the Florida, whatever. Because I know someone's going, Florida, don't call Florida, Florida things. No, Florida's awesome. Um, but it is, it is. It's, it's the Orlando, Miami, all of it. Um, so here we go. First, the Underwater Observatory Marine Park. Now, this underwater observatory is one of a lot's most popular points of interest for anyone wishing to view the incredible array of color below the Red Sea surface. From the Tower Observatory, almost 300 feet offshore, you take the stairs down almost 20 feet below the surface to witness the abundant underwater underwater life of the Red Sea. Um, While on the shore, there are also... There's also an excellent aquarium with hundreds of red sea fish, turtles and sharks. What if you are feeling a little more adventurous, you can also take a glass bottom boat trip to see the shoals and reefs reefs off the coast of the lot. Really kind of cool. Uh, what else is there to do? You ask? Well, funny. You should ask. You could go to dolphin reef. um, And it's for those who want to snorkel with dolphins. Um, This private bay runs a variety of tours and trips where you are able to interact with a group of bottlenose dolphins. How cool is that? Um, That live in the water just offshore. There is snorkeling. There are snorkeling and swimming trips. And if you don't wish to go into the sea, there are a number of observation docks on the shore where you can watch the dolphins from dry land. That is awesome. So I was in the Navy. I was in the military for 10 years. So I was in the Navy for six and the army for four and dolphins would swim off the bow of the ship. So dolphins are awesome. They're good luck. They're great. They're beautiful, magnificent creatures. So go to dolphin reef and check it out. Um, Now I'm gonna flip it on you a little bit with this next place, which is called, yes, ice space. So the craziest tourist attraction in a lot is ice space, which throws you out of the blistering a lot temperatures and into the freezing world of the Arctic. Inside, the temperature plummets to a steady 19 degrees Fahrenheit cold um, as you walk between the various ice sculptures on display. This is the perfect remedy For anyone who feels the need to complain about the heat of a lot, totally. Whoever came up with that was brilliant Um, because, and I know that meeting probably went like this. We're going to bring ice to a lot. What? And then they built it and people went in, flocked in and were like, you're brilliant. I can't believe I didn't come up with this a lot sooner it is it's so smooth um all right what's next (laughs) coral beach reserve the premier diving and snorkeling site in a lot can be found at the protected coral beach reserve and these offshore waters are home to a vibrantly colorful world of coral and fish it's beautiful it's amazing um even inexperienced divers will be well cared for with a lot's large number of dive tour outfits that directly cater to first time divers. Um, if diving isn't your thing, the reefs right off the shore are shallow enough for you to enjoy the fish life and coral just by snorkeling and masks and goggles can be rented right on the beach. That is so awesome. That is, that is so, I mean, this place is just geared for you to take advantage of, of everything that it has to offer. Um, also, uh, there is, oh, I want to go to this one. Um, a is home to a theme park with a distinctly Holy land twist called King city theme park. No lie inside the park. The rides take on a historic theme centered around a Middle Eastern style castle with ancient King Solomon, what playing a starring role in the park's biggest ride. Um, This park is good for a family day out and it's a good way to take a break from the sun and the sand. Um, Also, in a lot, if you don't want to go to the beach, is the botanical gardens. And on the hill above a lot, this botanical garden is a shady spot of lush tropical trees and plants. It is an ex- excellent escape from the scorching a sun, and the greenery makes an interesting juxtaposition. You like that? Look at that literary excellence uh, with, <laughs> with the bareness of the surrounding desert. It is a great place for an early evening stroll when the worst of the heat for the day has dissipated. And it's a good place to let, uh, the kids explore. If you are traveling with children now, that is all the stuff basically in a lot proper. There's a ton more. Don't get me wrong. I haven't even gone through the restaurants. Um, but, um, hold on. Whoa. No, that's not, I forgot one more thing. And that is the most important thing. The beaches. Um, Above all else, a lot is a beach resort, and most people come here simply to be out in the sun and lying on the sand of a lot's famous beaches. The best beaches hug the coast slightly out of town with family friendly coral beach bringing the most being the most popular Palm Beach and Village Beach tend to be more laid back and quieter, though they are still home to some great cafes and restaurants. On all of the beaches, there are lounge chairs and sunshades for rent and all the facilities you could want for a gorgeous day of sunbathing and swimming. And that is all the stuff directly in a lot. But wait, there's more because there's stuff around a lot. And I would be remiss not to tell you about that. Um, one of them is the bird watching center, and a lot is directly at the center of the bird migration routes between Africa and Europe, thus making the Alat area the ideal place for bird watching. Spring and autumn are the best seasons for tourists who want to spot the most species passing through. And the small bird watching center northeast of lot on the road towards the Jordanian border post is the best place. To bring out your binoculars and observe the different species all on their natural migration routes. So cool. Um, inside the reserve are well-marked trails with plenty of hides for viewing the birds along the path. So this is, you are, you're in between two, um, two continents, Africa and Asia. And these migratory uh, birds travel directly over a lot and you can see birds you wouldn't normally see anywhere. Um, it's absolutely fabulous. Now, there are also a couple of hiking areas around a lot. And one of them is the Mount Zeph- uh, Zephakot Trail. Um, and this circular hiking trail just to the south of a lot is an opportunity to get incredible panoramic views of the area surrounding a lot. With Jordan and the town of uh, um, Aqaba to the north, Egypt's Sinai Peninsula to the south, and the craggy escarpment of Saudi Arabia across the shimmering Red Sea to the east, it is a well-marked trail that takes about four hours to hike and is best hiked in the early morning before it gets too hot. Um, Another place to hike uh, right outside of a lot is Red Canyon. And it's on the way south to the Egyptian border post. And it gives visiting hikers and nature lovers a beautiful piece of the Negev's desert scenery. There is a well-marked trail that is suitable for families. Um, The trail leads you into the red-tinged rock of the canyon and takes around 30 minutes to complete. Not long. That's a nice quick hike. Um, for those who want to explore further, there's a longer half-day circular route uh, from the canyon that leads to a pleasant wadi, which is a valley, and allows you to take in more of the arid landscape. And that is amazing. Um, <clears throat> what else is there to do? Yes, there's even more to do. Um, less than 20 miles to the north of a lot, and I, I discussed this in the history. Um, Israel's beautiful Timna National Park in the Negev has both surreal desert landscapes and an ancient history of mining copper. It is famous for its bizarre rock formations that have been sculpted by winds and rain. The most well-known of these is called Solomon's Pillars because Solomon's mines were there. His copper mines were there. Um, Which is an over 160-foot-high wall of sandstone rock carved into pillar shapes by erosion. A flight of steps lead up the cliff cliff face to a relief depicting... Are you ready for this? None other than the Pharaoh Ramses III making an offering to the goddess Hathor. Whoa. You are like touching history. That is wow. And you can just go there and you could see it. Um, excavations in the area that date back to 1959 have revealed that the copper has been systematically mined here since as early as 3000 BCE with both the Egyptians and the Israelites working the mines at different times. And opposite Solomon's pillars is the Hill of the Slaves, which is an excavated camp that housed miners from the 14th and 12th century BCE. The surrounding camp walls and the remains of houses and workshops can still be seen at this historic site. So you can go and touch, not history. It's not like going to Williamsburg, which is nice because you can go and you can see the history of the Revolutionary War, but here you're seeing ancient history and you can touch it. You can be a part of it and feel it. And that's amazing, Timna National Park. It's only 20 miles north. So now, a little further, 30 miles north of Elat, the kibbutz of, I want to say this right, Yodvata sits at the entry to High Bar Nature Reserve. And this is really cool. This is worth the trip. Um, a sprawling 10,000-acre park that is home to an abundance of wildlife, including antelopes, wild asses, hyenas, ostriches, ostriches as well as a number of other desert creatures. Um, established in 1963, all of the animals here have been reintroduced to the wilderness with the aim of populating the area with animals that would have lived here in ancient times. So, wow. So that's a lot, that's all this stuff. And that's not, well, no, that's some of all of this stuff in a lot. A lot has so much to do, so much to offer. It is one of the coolest places in Israel. Um, they got to build that train, though, that goes from Beersheba down to Elot. And I asked um, the ambassador about it, and he left. So it's not going to be anytime soon. So you could take a bus, you could take a car, but go to Elot. Um, I hope you enjoyed that all right um listen if you like this video hit the like button the subscribe button and the notification bell if you want to watch uh, if you want to take this video with you you can find us on SoundCloud iTunes Google podcasts stitcher TuneIn, and on Spotify did it yeah. um, also as I said this video is brought to you by the 12 cities in Israel modern Hebrew flashcards the body ones are done Um. They're going to be released soon. I have one picture I'm having trouble getting. And I just totally hiccuped all the way through that. I'm so sorry. Um, Our Aleph Bet are done, uh, print and script. You can find that on Amazon for Kindle. Um, Our Numbers in Hebrew is done. You can find that on Amazon for Kindle. And our Body will be done probably next week. I hope to have it up. And it will be available on kindle uh and if you have kindle unlimited it is free um 9.99 for each set if you don't but they are well worth it a lot of love went into it and coming soon i'm going to have another little video series called learning hebrew with michael sano From 12 cities in Israel and I'm gonna do it and that's one of the reasons why I got all these new lights and all this new setup and everything and the lights in in the back because I'm going to use the set behind me and uh, we're gonna show we're gonna show all of the uh, all the flashcards and I'm gonna use the flashcards to teach you guys Hebrew All right, that's it Razad shalati, sheli binatati, mo shati la perach ani shar. Razad shalati, sheli binatati, mo la perach ani ¡Suscríbete